Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. I'd like to thank you for joining us today as we continue our series on how to avoid divorce. In fact, we're sharing with you in this series 10 ways to avoid a divorce. And we're at number eight today, and we might even get to number nine if we have enough time in today's broadcast. But number eight, and each of these 10 ways begins with a C, cut off adulterous affairs and all developing relationships outside of marriage. You notice I didn't put any buffer on that. Uh, It's my belief that too often writers, speakers, broadcasters, homilists, preachers of all types often want to buffer hard topics, if not duck them altogether. And the Bible doesn't duck subjects like adulterous affairs or even being being tempted to kind of move towards an adulterous affair. The reason is God loves people, and God wants your marriage to be successful. And adulterous affairs are perhaps the most potent way to ruin your marriage and blind your rational thinking process. Uh, I've worked and counseled with people who have gotten themselves tangled up in affairs, and in certain ways, it's like talking to a brick wall because, you know, a normal, rational, clear-thinking person, you know, thinks ahead for retirement and puts money into an IRA and develops his career and thinks about, you know, having enough room in the house for another child and all this kind of thing, just blows the whole thing out of the water when you are blinded by the passion stemming from an adulterous affair. Now, I think I have a very potent way to help you recover your sanity. And there's a secondary, a very important secondary purpose to this series, because you might have heard at the top, oh, how to avoid a divorce. Well, I'm not tempted to have an, a divorce, or I'm not, I'm not involved in an adulterous affair. You know, in today's world, there are so many marriage breakdowns. There are so many adulterous affairs going on that you need equipment to help your friends. It might even be your sister, your brother, brother-in-law, or somebody you work with, or a neighbor. What are you going to do when you find out about this? What are you going to recommend to them? And here's something, and I'm talking about because Christians do get involved in this, okay? Christians accept the Bible. Here's something that I'm going to recommend, a powerful way to bring sanity back to somebody who is blinded by the dangers of this, and it's this. It's the book of Proverbs, chapters 5, 6, and 7. In the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs is kind of near the middle. It's right after the book of Psalms, and chapters 5, 6, and 7. I dare say it'd take you about 10 minutes a day, and to read all three chapters for 30 days straight and this and pray as you do for God to enable you to see the insanity 
of what you may be tempted to do or actually already are doing. And you know, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, was used in the early church. It was used by the saints, the church fathers. It was used in the early church to make disciples of people coming out of paganism into the Catholic Church. And the church had a witness to the society, including sexual morality, that was so different from what was going on around them. And how they accomplished that is they used the book of Proverbs to catechize and to train and to disciple people. Well, we're back there. Uh, we're surrounded by a pagan society. Quote, everybody's doing it. How do you regain your sanity and your perspective? Proverbs chapters 5, 6, and 7. Read all three chapters for 30 days straight and asking God to give you his perspective on this whole thing. And the nice thing about Proverbs, again, these subjects, and I'm particularly speaking to how to reach men on this. I maybe not be the world's expert to reach women who are involved in adulterous affairs, but here's how men like it. Straight, direct, tough, with not a lot of fluff. And so here's a sampling from Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to read the first dozen verses from chapter 5, and it's styled as a father speaking to a son. So what would you say to your son as he's approaching the teen years or going off to college or at least recommend that he read? This is it. Proverbs 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. For the lips of a loose woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to shale. She does not take heed to the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house and give your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. That's just the first 12, 13 verses out of chapter 5 of Proverbs. You can read all of 5, 6, and 7, and the whole thing is high-octane, very straight, very clear advice. And remember, the Bible itself says that the Word of God is sharper than two-edged sword. This is from the book of Hebrews, and that it penetrates right into the heart. And so if you approach the scriptures with a prayerful heart, and you know you can approach the scriptures with a prayerful heart, even if you're tempted to just go the wrong way into adultery, you're asking for God's help. He will help you. And I'm giving you a very practical 911 emergency call on how to get yourself back on the right track. You see, 
any affair, casual, there's no such thing as a casual affair or an adulterous affair, because what happens is that you're playing with fire and you will get burned. You will get burned. Again, from Proverbs, this time from the next chapter, chapter six, an adulteress stalks a man's very life. Can a man carry fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk upon hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. He who commits adultery has no sense. He who does it destroys himself. So you, you, you want to cut an adulterous affair off if you're involved in one, if your friend is involved in one. And, you know, I don't recommend really beating around the bush. Obviously, you want to maintain a friendship, but a true friendship and relationship will be to speak the truth on this. And this is something that you need to get away from. It is possible to rebuild trust after an adulterous affair, but it's very difficult. It's not impossible. It's difficult, but it's so much easier to avoid. But just remember that not only am I speaking to those who might be tempted to be having an affair right now, but I'm speaking to those who are friends of people already in adulterous affairs, and how are they going to get out? I've just given you a key to do that. Here's some other things that need to happen. In addition to, let's say you're reading Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 for 30 days, and by day three, you have a wake-up call. This is wrong, wrong, wrong. I got to end this. What do you need to do? You need to establish a wall between you and the marriage wrecking ball. The marriage wrecking ball is the adulterous partner. And you notice I'm not trying to mince words here and buffer it and use fluffy talk. That is not really being a good friend. A good friend is speaking the truth. And a marriage wrecking ball is an adulterous partner. So you need to establish a wall between you and the wrecking ball. How do you do that? Well, it's just like, say, if you were trying to recover from alcoholism. You go to AA regularly, you clean out everything in your house, and then on Friday night you go down to your local bar, right? No, of course not. If you're trying to recover from alcohol, you try to put a wall between you and the alcohol. Now, that's that's not the whole game because obviously things need to go on inside to truly recover from alcohol, but you don't expose yourself to it unnecessarily and with a lack of prudence. So you establish things that keep yourself separated from the marriage wrecking ball. And I'll tell you, one of the supreme marriage wrecking balls that's kind of new to the scene, uh, you know, the last couple of decades, and that's the social media. The social media has caused temptations and problems and adulterous affairs galore. Now, you say, well, you know, I really have a hard time when I get on my social media account by not, you know, kind of like checking out what so-and-so is doing. I know I should get rid of it. Just get rid of it. If you're serious about your marriage, if you're serious about following Christ, 
If you're serious about breaking off an adulterous relationship and if social media is causing you to stumble, get rid of it. It's not worth it. You can live without it. Actually, the world did quite well for several millennia before social media came on the scene. This is a huge pit, and you basically got to be cautious about developing relationships, friendships with the opposite sex outside of your marriage bond. I'd like to tell you about a very wise evangelical leader who does a lot with promise keepers and evangelical men. His name is Steve Farrar, and he's written a book entitled Finishing Strong, Finding the Power to Go the Distance. And there's a huge part of Steve Farrar's book as far as finishing strong, going the distance in your Christian commitment, and he has a whole lot to say about Christian men who fall into adulterous affairs. You know, one guy, and kind of critically, asked Steve, he said, well, why do you have so much to say about affairs in your book? And this man, actually a Christian leader himself, fell into an affair. Um, it's very widespread. And one of the things he cautions about is that you don't start sharing uh, emotional problems, so to speak, in your marriage with a person of the opposite sex. That starts developing relationships. In fact, I don't know if you heard about the governor of South Carolina a number of years ago, all of a sudden disappeared. His office said he was hiking on the Appalachian Trail and ended up he was in South America having an affair. And a very interesting reading this, he started sharing with this other woman, they start sharing back and forth kind of emotional problem backgrounds with each other and developed a connection from which an affair arose. So if you don't want the affair, the adulterous affair, then you cut off sharing the emotional problems with the person of the opposite sex. Now, Steve Farrar is a little bit different than most, I would say, uh, Christian leaders and ministers who do counseling. He will counsel a woman once and then refer her to a female counselor. Now, people say, what? What is this, guys? I mean, I, I've been accused of kind of like um, Muslim ethics and all this kind of stuff for what's called Christian prudence, Steve Farrar counsels a woman once and then refers her to a female counselor. Guess what? He found out that 80% of full-time ministers, and these are Protestant ministers, and I tip my hat to Protestants who do research in this area. I think we need to do the same research with Catholic priests and deacons. But 80% of full-time ministers who became sexually involved with a another woman other than their wife, it was, was a result of counseling that woman, 80%. So, ooh, Steve Farrar doesn't quite sound so um, weird when you hear that statistic. How about this? Guess which medical fields have the highest divorce rates? It's psychiatrists 
and marriage counselors, those who are involved in counseling with members of the opposite sex, and you obviously start discussing a lot of emotional problems. Um, it's very easy to have same-sex counselors rather than uh, getting yourself involved in these types of situations. Now, a lot of people, even Protestants who look up to Steve Farrar's leadership over the years with Catholic men, think this this advice is a little weird, kind of like the lifestyle of our Vice President Pence, who was mocked by the press throughout the country. He's weird. Uh, he will not go out to dinner with another woman without a third person there or in the presence of his wife. And even though many laugh at him and the press joke about him, he's not weird. He's prudent. I want to tell you about one of the most shocking discoveries that I made and why the pro-life movement seems to continually lose politically. I don't know if I've shared this too much, but for a couple of years in Florida before starting the Family Life Center, I was involved in pro-life politics. I had a small office, <laughs> kind of a rundown cheap one, uh, in an office in Tallahassee, Florida, our state capital. And I worked with a great Catholic woman, Carol Griffin, who was the Eagle Forum representative in Tallahassee, and uh, she would stay up late at night because they would wait till all the conservative pro-life senators would leave the Capitol building, and then they would rush a pro-abort bill through. She would stay there until the voting was all over so they wouldn't try one of these funny businesses. So any case, Carol one day was driving me to the airport in Tallahassee. I was flying to the southwest Florida, and I just said to her, you know, I wonder what we could do to turn around this pro-abort mentality in Tallahassee. I really didn't expect an answer. And listen, right now, today, in the news, we're seeing the pro-aborts in New York. The pro-aborts now uh, want to follow suit in Rhode Island, Virginia, okay? And we think, what can we do about this? I'll never forget Carol Griffin's answer. What could we do to turn this pro-abort mentality around? Her answer, have the wives of the state representatives and senators come with them to Tallahassee for the legislative session. And she told me in the old days, they used to bring in a plane load of prostitutes on a DC airplane from Miami for the legislative session. And I told you, I kind of had a pretty cheap rundown office in Tallahassee. That's kind of what pro-life offices generally are. So I was, you know, sharing an office building with uh, lobbyists. And guess what the lobbyists were doing? Recruiting co-eds from FSU to socialize with our legislators in return for votes. <laughs> You think Vice President Pence is really weird? I dare say if our representatives, including the ones that come out and say they're all for family values and everything when it's time for election, if they did what Vice President Pence did, Democrat, Republican, Independent, 
you would see a massively different type of legislation coming out. Because if once you're involved in affairs, guess what happens? The mind is darkened and the will is weakened and you therefore become susceptible to all kinds of things that come from the darkness. So, any case, but I'm going to go with one more. I was in Tampa at a great Catholic men's conference and sharing that day with Father Larry Richards, who many of you know through EWTN. But at the end of the conference, Father Richards said something that I've never heard a Catholic leader say before, in public or in private. And Father Richard says, pray for me. He goes, because the other priests that are here on the speaking circuit and going around and kind of well-known in the media and all this stuff, he says, they're falling like flies morally. He said, pray for me. And, and, and he was the first priest I heard express that, you know, I'm a vulnerable human being. I need to be spiritually protected. I need your prayers. And obviously, he was practicing prudence. Father Richard had me up to uh, Erie for a Catholic men's conference up there. And first thing, I pulled him off the side. I said, Father Richards, I heard you say something in Tampa I've never heard a priest say before. And he goes, oh, well, that's easy. Back in the day, I was converted under Billy Graham, and I just followed his prudent actions in my behavior, especially when I'm on the road. You see, you put a wall between yourself and problems. It doesn't mean it solves everything because you do need the internal graces, but you don't unwisely expose yourself. And this is the point. You're prudent, okay? Now, I'd like to share with you some really good news, particularly for married couples going through hard times. And I need to emphasize that uh, just because you're a very dedicated Protestant and your marriage is in trouble, that's not unusual. You know, thousands, tens of thousands of Protestant married couples have marriage problems. And before Catholics start saying, boy, I'm glad we don't, yes, you do. There's just tens of thousands of Catholic marriages having serious troubles. And I dare say that almost everyone listening to me right now knows someone whose marriage is having a tough time, going through a rough patch. Well, there was something that I was exposed to probably, I can't quite remember now, but at least a a decade past. I was at a conference called the Smart Marriages Conference. And it was a collection of religious leaders, counselors who really wanted to have marriages stick together. And a well-known evangelical marriage counselor by the name of Gary Smalley said, we've come up with a new way, a more powerful way to do marriage counseling. And they're called intensives. They're a three or four day period where rather than going to a counselor once a week for say 50 minutes, and you might go for a couple of years or something like that, what if you would compress all of that counseling into one four-day period? And rather than just meeting with one counselor once a week, you might meet with four counselors for four days in a row. And so you're getting four different perspectives, four different resources trying to help your marriage simultaneously, 
And I dare say, I compare it to open heart surgery. You wouldn't want open heart surgery where they do the incision and open you up and they say, come back next week and we'll do the repair job and come back the week after that and we'll sew you up. No, you'd want the job done. Well, marriage counseling is like heart surgery. It's working on the heart to try to determine you know, where the problem areas are and how it can be restored. And there are marriage intensives. It's entitled the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. And it's now taken over by the Focus on the Family Marriage Institute. And they offer marriage intensives. They have different time frames, three, four, or five days. Uh, I would suggest for most people, they may want to take advantage of the four-day intensive. And again, this is led by an evangelical organization. I have talked to the leaders. There are a significant number of Catholics who have attended and have successfully completed these intensives. And in fact, uh, about 70% of those who go to a marriage intensive are on the very brink of divorce. And they go home at least more satisfied with their marriage and some hope restored for that. And the intensives now, that used to be just one location in Branson, Missouri. There's now three, uh, Rome, Georgia, Greenville, Michigan. Now, I'm speaking to you from Greenville, South Carolina, but there's none here. It's Greenville, Michigan, and Branson, Missouri. And I can't recommend these to you enough because even if you want to get a good marriage counselor and you might want to go to our website, dads.org, and listen to the audio recommendation on how to choose a good marriage counselor because they can get you into trouble if if they give you bad advice. But you could come back to a weekly marriage counselor perhaps with the identification of what's going wrong, as well as a solution, a path ahead for your marriage. And you can simply go to our website, dads.org, and right at the top of the website, or on if you see the menu on your phone, it says, get help. Pretty simple. Dads.org, get help. And then you want to scroll down, just look for marriage get help for marriage. And then once you get into the marriage section, you'll see the marriage intensives. And again, uh, this is a new way of doing things. And I might say as well, for those suffering a pornography addiction, this isn't the organization, but there's similar types of counseling that has popped up because this is proven for difficult problems, a way to bring health and healing. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 222 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.